0: ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is the story of Star Wars. You can read along with me in your book. O is for Obi-Wan Kenobi. All rebel fighters met at fleet headquarters to plan their attack. Princess Leia addressed them.
1: Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. No. I am your father. Hello. I am C-3PO, and you are about to listen to the story of Star Wars. Another chapter is here. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Don't Burn the Sacred Text, your official Clashing Sabers book review podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon, and with me, she is cooler than... What are you cooler than this time? I, I, I should have had this prepared beforehand. Cooler than Darth Maul in a pod racer.
0: Ooh, I like that eating, one.
1: Eating a cheeseburger. Oh, that's one. There you go. See,
0: I love that you didn't even just stop
1: there. I no. feel like
0: one of these days I'm just gonna have to do the intro just so I can give you a fair shake, too.
1: No, 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 no. not me. I'm not that. I'm not not that good. Not that good. <laughs> uh, but Lindsay, how are how are things going for you?
0: They're good. We have a lot to kind of keep us going and get us back into Star Wars since we do have over a year to go for another movie. And hopefully this time next year, you and I will be sitting here talking about maybe a new trailer for episode nine or something like that. But in the meantime, I feel like we have a lot to talk about and a lot to stay excited about.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. So We're recording this uh, on the 11th, so Resistance came out um, on Sunday, about four days ago, and Lindsay, have you seen, so I know Disney, uh, the Disney Now app put up the first three episodes, so the Recruit and the two uh, following episodes after that, onto the streaming service. Have you had the chance to watch all three of them?
0: I have watched all three of them, and I guess now I have to wait, like, another three weeks to see a yes. new episode. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, I don't really like that. I don't
1: at all. I wish they—maybe the first two, because the recruit, I was kind of like, okay, I'm into it, you know. Uh, it was the—what the, the what is it called? Zero Dark, or Triple Dark, uh, that yeah. really got me excited about the show. It just—it kind of hit all the right buttons where— It had the adventure, it had the action, but it also just had the great character development and stuff. Um, But yeah, I don't like having to wait for... I think it's October 24th or, or something like that until the next one actually comes out.
0: Yeah, I don't like the wait, and I don't like that it's... You know, I'm lucky enough that I have the Disney Now app and that subscription, but so many people don't. And so many people are waiting for things like it to be on Amazon or on iTunes and other streaming services... And I think there was a lot of confusion on a lot of different like online forums because no one was really sure what had come out yet and what hadn't, or even at what times they came out. So I think people were putting up what they thought was common information, but it was probably spoilers for other people. It's just, I would rather just have one, go back to the original one episode per week, it airs on TV and then the next day it's on the streaming services.
1: Yeah. Um e- even the doing the two episodes like Rebels did is not uh is not too bad. And if you want it to be oh, we're releasing multiple episodes the same week to kinda hype it up, do what Rebels did and do the recruit part one, the recruit part two, which is basically one yeah. episode, but you can call it two episodes to make it seem like people are getting more. Like I mean, I know exactly what you're doing there marketing-wise, but I'm cool with it, you know, whatever. Um, But, yeah, I I think they kind of fumbled the ball on that one. But overall, what are your your thoughts on Resistance?
0: I'm pretty excited for it. It was better than I thought it was going to be, for sure. And I think it has – I hate to keep comparing it to Rebels, but I feel like there's just so many parallels that it has to be done. I think it has a stronger start than Rebels did. Um, but when you look at it on its own, my thought on the show so far, there's no character or grouping of characters that I'm really excited about or that I really feel any kind of attachment to. So I hope that changes and I hope that we do start to see them grow a little bit more and we get to develop more of a connection there, but I'm really interested in, the First Order and that whole mystery element of it. You know, there's some big questions already that I can't wait for them to answer, and I just hope that they dive a lot deeper into what the First Order is doing right now and who that informant might be.
1: Yeah, so... Of course, if you've listened to any of the Clashing Sabers shows that I'm on or really any podcast I've been on over the past three years, uh, you know I love Star Wars animation. And Rebels, I was super pumped for, um, and and I disagree vehemently with you that this had a stronger start than Rebels. I think Rebels um, had a much stronger start with, Spark-, with uh, Spark of Rebellion and kind of hitting the right chords there. But... Um, This show, I was, uh, I think like most people, kind of lukewarm going into. I never was part of the this is not for me camp because I'm just a a really big 10-year-old. So this is like, I mean, cartoons are right up my alley. But just the overall storyline, I wasn't super excited about. But the, the little tidbits that we got in these first three episodes, and then other facts that are coming out now, like Kaz being from Hosnian Prime, um, and his dad being a senator and just different things that are kind of pointing the show in a certain direction have me really excited about what could happen once things cross over the, the Force Awakens Last Jedi timeline. Because I think that's where Rebels was its strongest, is when it was dealing with the episodes about the Rebellion and kind of how that was built and the struggles that they went through, so... I'm excited about it. Of course, we'll we'll talk more about it um as as time goes on, but for me the marker of stuff that I like in Star Wars is does it make it as my phone wallpaper? Because I'm constantly <laughs> looking at my phone, so I want, I want it to be something that's going to make me smile. And Resistance is on the 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 front cover of my phone right now, so there you go. Nice. Pretty. I'm pretty uh I'm I'm pleased with it. I'm I, I'm definitely pleased nice. with it. Nice. To, to more. But uh New York Comic Con also happened. That was another big thing, and that was was big for us because we got a lot of new uh, book announcements. And I have the article uh, pulled up right here from StarWars.com, and I will drop a link to that in the the show notes. But we got a lot of book announcements. Um, I don't want to go through all of these, but let's just kind of hit the the high points. Um, I got to go first to the book. I think I'm... I think I'm almost as excited for this book as I am for any other Star Wars product coming out. The book by uh, Amy Ratcliffe, "Women of the Galaxy." I think we've talked about it before, but just uh, Lindsay, just a short bit on that. Like, what are your thoughts on that? What do you What do you want out of that book?
0: I am definitely getting that literally the minute it comes out. That's going to be a be at Barnes and Noble when the doors open. Get my copy right away. I'm really excited for that. Because one, I am a big Amy fan, um I think she does awesome work. I think she always brings a really unique take on things. But just the characters that they really picked and hand selected to go into this book, I was really surprised by some of the names, and I'm just excited to get a little bit more there.
1: Yeah, I'm a huge Amy Ratcliffe fan. Um, and I kind of I, I kind of believe in that like vote with your dollar type thing um, as much as I possibly can. Uh, on a teacher's budget, but like I'm gonna spend money on the stuff, particularly in Star Wars, that excites me, um, and then I that I want them to give me more of, which is why you know a lot there's a good amount of money that goes to books because I want them producing more books, um, and this is definitely up that. And I definitely want Amy Ratcliffe doing more Star Wars stuff uh, as much as possible. So, the other th- uh, thing that really excited me is the the Star Wars Han Solo Imperial Cadet comic that is uh coming out. Have you have you heard about this?
0: I have, and you know, I am a big <clears throat> sorry, big fan and big reader for all the comics. So there were a few comics that I'm getting ready for, and this is definitely in my top be excited for.
1: It, keep your eye on that radar list. Yeah, and I what I like about this is it has kind of the Star Wars adventures uh feel to it in terms of the art design which I I'm a big fan of. I like the very cartoony looking cartoon um animation uh style. Very much what what I think Resistance has that works really well for me is I mean, it's it's bright, it's fun to look at. Like, even if you're not enjoying the story that's on the page or on the screen, it's at least, like, something nice to look at as you suffer through a part that you don't like to get to a part you do like. So that's really exciting. Um, we also have a whole bunch of books, uh, comic books, coming out called Age of Rebellion um, with a lot of character-based stuff there. But going to the 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 big announcements with the books, and... <laughs> Number 1 I think this was probably the biggest news and what got people most excited coming out of New York Comic Con was the cover for Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray. Now, of course, we are talking tonight about a Claudia Gray book and you will hear us sing her praises for hours on end, but in terms of let's just just sticking to the cover, what are your thoughts on on this Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan cover for Master and Apprentice? <laughs>
0: So I really want to structure this in two ways. There's two main points that I want to make about the cover. One is to answer your question directly about what I think about the cover. And two is to just point out that this is a conversation that we're having and so many people are having. Um, so point one, the cover itself, I think is beautiful. Um, I think it's really eye catching, and one thing that surprised me was how it's drawing in people who didn't necessarily know about the book or even know about this kind of larger Star Wars universe in general. And the reason I say that is when I put things up on my personal Facebook or Twitter or something that's Star Wars related, I think a lot of my friends who aren't into this, you know, fandom will kind of brush it aside. But when I put up this cover, I had so many people texting me and messaging me asking what it was and why, you know, why I was excited for it when it was coming out. And it's because the cover is so eye-catching and so stunning and so different from any cover that we've had so far. So I really like it. And I also love that watercolor style. Um, you know, I know, I think you've seen pictures of like the different tattoos that I have on my back and it's all star Wars watercolor. Um, so I like that it kind of matches my back. Um, but I thought that it's a beautiful cover. And to my second point, the fact that we're having the conversation, I think it is such a Testament to Claudia gray and to how excited people are about this that we're this excited for a cover that doesn't tell us anything about the book. And we don't have any new information about the book, but just seeing this cover is getting people so amped up and so excited. And I think that is just so much respect that Claudia gray deserves that people are getting this amped up over it.
1: I think when when it comes to the marketing of the books, one of the things that they're doing a really good job with is the covers of the book. I'm thinking over just kind of the books that have come out. And not every single book is, is having a cover that's getting everybody talking. But if you look at Last Shot, they had the reversible cover that got everybody talking. And I feel like a lot of people who maybe weren't excited for Last Shot, myself included, got a little more excited because, okay... The cover's something different, so maybe the story's going to be something different. And it was. Um, and, and even though it wasn't my favorite, like I appreciated the fact that they did something different. Um, when Life Debt came out, after Meth Life Debt, everybody was talking about the Falcon and, and kind of how it confirmed that we were going to be dealing with, with Kashyyyk and Han and, and Chewy a little more. I remember Dark Disciple, uh, people talking about just the the overall aesthetic of that. And, and so I think they're being really smart about how they're marketing these books and using the cover to great effect. And I'll be honest, it's not my favorite cover. Uh, I'm I, I like it. I think it's, it's beautiful. Um, but I think once I see it on the book itself, it'll be a little bit different, but you, you said it perfectly. Like this is getting us talking about a book that we don't know anything about. Um, and the and the cover art is bringing in a lot of people to to hear that is really really exciting for me. It says Claudia Gray on it, so I'm a stand. I'm I'm there. <laughs> That's all you need. Um. In in sadder news, ladies and gentlemen, we have gathered here today to lay to rest any hope that I had that one day, maybe now, maybe in the future, Star Wars. Literature would figure out how to make a good title again.
0: <laughs> you mean hooked on hooked on phonics Star Wars version isn't what you wanted?
1: Hooked on Star Wars. Um, Alphabet Squadron. Really? Uh, really?
0: It's, I I swear to you, I absolutely swear that when I first saw the press release, I. Honest to God, I assumed it was a children's learn-to-read book. I,
1: this is a family-friendly show, so I'm I'm restraining myself from saying a lot of things that I want to <laughs> say. Um, this is terrible. I, I've had a huge problem with how they're naming the books uh, overall. I feel like there's been a very lackluster feel to a lot of them um in terms of like just using the name or literally the topic that it's about um I mean even even books that are great like Inferno Squad I mean it's literally just the title of the group which makes a little more sense because it's really about that group coming together but Thrawn Thrawn Alliances a New Dawn. I mean, Ahsoka. Like, they're either being named very literally or they're being named just after the character um, with very few exceptions. Like, I think Dark Disciple. Dark Disciple, Such yep. a good title. I think that, that works amazingly well. And I think in some cases, like, I think with Phasma, using the name works well. But when you have, like, 10, 15, 20 books now that come out and they're all named after the character, it's just annoying and, and annoying and it's harder to get excited about it and so then they come out with alphabet squadron and i <laughs> i die a little inside but like the thing is i'm really excited about the concept i think the potential so if if you haven't heard of alphabet squadron Um, that's probably because nobody is talking about it because nobody can honestly type Alphabet Squadron (laughs) and make it through that tweet. Um, No
0: one wants to say it. Yeah, that's that's it. You type it out and you are halfway done with the tweet.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, But this is a a post-Return of the Jedi story that's following a group of pilots, um, each of them flying a different letter, apparently, um, and going and kind of cleaning up the remnants of the Empire It seems, and I I haven't read them yet. I'm going to jump into them uh, pretty soon here. Good friend Fode from the Star BQ podcast is sending me one of the X-Wing books. And I'm kind of excited to see this side of things, because it's a side of Star Wars that I've always kind of had trouble getting into, um, is the space battle aspect of of the written word. And so... the the new canon has done such a good job, in my opinion, of writing in a style, safe for Aftermath, that I really like. Um, sorry, I had to take a dig at Chuck Wendig right there. But other than that, uh, they've all written it in a way that I, I really like. And so I'm excited about the potential that this book holds. But I honestly don't know if I can pick it up every night without either going into hysterical laughter or just closing it and crying myself to sleep.
0: I... I'm hoping that there's enough time and they haven't printed anything yet that they're just gonna be like, "Cuz let's let's just change it," because it it feels like someone at Delray Books should be turning around and being like, "Hey, intern, that wasn't supposed to be released. That was like what we were calling it internally. We weren't actually gonna market it that way."
1: (laughs) It's an inside joke, dude, and it it, it's somebody the, the guy's like Nico. He's like. I do not understand your insights. <laughs> oh, man. Now oh, I just have the man. idea of Nico, be, like, working with an author. Walking around to, Del Rey. And just trying to understand metaphor and simile. That would be fantastic. Um, so, yeah. Maybe they'll be smart and narrow it down to Alpha Squadron. Maybe I'm a shill and I'm going to read it anyways. So, there you go. Um but, yeah, that, it, it's, it's all exciting, all that stuff coming out of, of, of New York Comic-Con. I really wanted to say San Diego Comic-Con. It was, took everything for me not to say that um, because I was just talking about uh, Intergalacticon the other day and how fun that was out in San Diego, IGC. Uh, but we are digging into – I'm just going to say it. Can I just say it, Lindsay? Can I say it? You can say it. You can say it. Definitively, undisputably, undeniably – irrevocably the best Star Wars book ever written.
0: No questions asked. Legends, canon, whatever it is, this is the be-all end-all.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, we give you Lost Stars. So, Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, okay. Am I being hyperbolic? I'll let you decide that, but this this is a book when when you see a post on facebook or a tweet on twitter somebody asking for you know i want to jump into the new canon or i'm looking for the next book that i want to read what do i read lost stars is in 90 to 99% of the lists that people give and it is number 1 2 or 3 like i feel like you have people saying a new dawn if you want to start from the beginning and go through the whole thing, otherwise you start with Bloodline or Lost Stars. And the fact that this book came out almost five years ago, like it came out very close to the Disney purchase, and it still remains, even with all the great books that we've we've gotten, the books that have been very well received, this still ranks number one in pretty much everybody's lexicon of novels in the, in this group of novels that we've gotten since the new canon started says so much about how how great this book is i we're gonna talk about it tonight ladies and gentlemen but like this is not hyperbole we could talk about this book for hours and hours we're like literally gonna scratch the surface and not just because it's like a 560 page book but literally this book adds so much to the overall story of the galaxy
0: Oh there's so many different ways to dissect this book and so many positive things. And and the thing is you're you're totally right when people are asking where do I start? I think everyone mentions Lost Stars and one of the things is it's so accessible. You don't have to be the absolute biggest diehard Star Wars fan out there. You could be maybe just kind of dabbling in it and you read books every now and then maybe you've never read a star wars book before maybe you you're like us where you pick up every single piece of material that you can no matter what your interest level is this is going to capture your attention not just because it's a great star wars book it's just a great book
1: it really is and I want to wait a, till a little while later and kind of talk about how Claudia Gray, I feel like, really ushered in the era of female Star Wars authors, which is very exciting. But you said it perfectly. It's accessible. You don't need to have a lot of background knowledge um, in Star Wars. You need You need a, I think, a very cursory idea of, hey, there's a rebellion. There's an empire. These are the bad guys. These are the good guys. But – I remember the first time reading it, and as much as possible, I, I try to avoid too much of the the news. I, I, I like getting the, the concept, but I don't want to know a whole bunch of the story. I try to avoid reading the back cover because I'm going to read it anyways, and I want to go on the ride. And I remember the first time reading Lost Stars. I was like, okay, there's going to be this kid that goes, you know, and joins the rebellion right away, which I thought was going to be Sienna. And then there's going to be, you know, Thane who goes and joins the Empire. So right away, the, the script gets flipped. Um, and the idea that the morally... Almost morally ambiguous character in some senses... Um, no, that's not the right word. to... The, the character that has the most emotional turmoil, I should say, um, is the female lead... Um, and that she stays in the Empire, I think is really, really cool. But I remember when I first realized that this was gonna start weaving in and out of the the original trilogy and and that we're literally brushing right upside of what we see on the screen. I thought it was just fantastic. I thought it was a, and that's not something that everybody can do. I there's other books like that where they try to like place characters off to the side and they're like Right next to this thing, you know it's happening. And it just becomes a like wink-wink, nudge-nudge for a whole book. And it it just doesn't work. But I think Claudia Gray handled it masterfully.
0: She did. She found such a balance. And I know exactly what book you're thinking of when you say that there is a good way and a bad way to do this. But she just handled it so well because the characters that she created are enticing enough that when it's brushing up along the story that we might already know, it's a nice little quick mention of it or a quick way in. But the whole time you're like, okay, this is, this is fine. This is all well and good, but I can't wait to get back to these new characters and this new story and see what was happening off screen. So to be able to have such strong characters and such a strong story that the original trilogy is like the distraction and the side point, the side piece, it's it's just an incredible thing and it's so hard to do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So let's sticking on that idea of kind of like how it hits up against the original trilogy. We we got some pretty cool Easter eggs in here. Um, we we got like. The scene in Return of the Jedi where Vader's coming off uh, onto the Death Star 2. Uh, there's some Battle of Hall stuff going on in there. But the thing that really clicked with me was how they used the the characters and how they brought the characters in. Because I feel like Claudia Gray did it in a very organic way. The big ones that that I'm thinking of off the top of my head are... Of course, Tarkin and Leia. There's some other ones. Uh, I I'm, I think Wedge is in there at some point. Um, he is, yeah. Yeah, and, and there's some mentions of, of other characters. There's, of course, the, the whole situation where Thane's drunk and talking to Mon Mothma. All of that, I thought, worked really well. Added to those characters, added depth to those characters, but not at the detriment of Thane and Sienna. What did you think about bringing in these these are, these are not just, like, side characters. It's not like they had, oh, hey, look, here's Hobby, and, and here's, you know. the These are big players in the Star Wars galaxy that they brought in um, to this book. What were, you, what were your thoughts on that?
0: I think it was good because it was handled with a lot of care, and even really the bigger names. It felt more like Claudia Gray was trying to pay respect for them, or to them, without writing for them, you know? And, and I know that now all this time later, we know how well Claudia gray can write for Leia, And we know how well she can even write for Han, but she didn't necessarily try to do that right off the bat. She just made it so that we understood the gravitas that these characters held in this universe. And why, you know, how are these other people, how do these other people see our main heroes and our main characters and their direct counterparts? And we, she didn't necessarily have to give them any certain kind of voice to do that. So it just felt very realistic and very voyeuristic even because the whole time you're sitting there and you're reading and you're thinking, okay, this is realistically, This is probably the situation I would be in if I were in this story. And this is really how I would see them. So it was just a really relatable way without taking anything else away from those characters or from the story.
1: Yeah, and Claudia Gray has a very special uh, skill of really taking a character off the screen and putting them on the page and making it feel like the exact same character, which is not something easy to do um I, I i talked about it when we talked about thrawn uh i think it was thrawn alliances or lords of the sith one or the other but how vader on the written page lacks a lot for me i feel like i don't feel like there, there's anybody that i can think of off the top of my head who gets vader one-to-one from screen to page except for claudia gray uh mm-hmm. same with with leia um i Tarkin, James Lucino, I think, did a did a great job with, but here you get a different side of Tarkin, but it's still the exact same character, and it's very clear that it's the exact same character in how, in how it feels and how it's written. It's not just like, hey, here's Tarkin. I'm going to make him mean and snarky. But, like, he actually is mentoring these kids, and, and you can see how he becomes somebody that has this level of loyalty in the Empire. And... You see why somebody like Palpatine who looks at at people as chess pieces would want this chess piece, you know, at his left hand if Vader's at his right hand. Um again, we could there's so much in here we could talk about forever, but I do want to kind of stick with the main uh the main plot line and main thread line and the main characters. So let's jump into to Thane and Sienna. Yeah. I I've been talking a lot. I want to hear your thoughts on these (laughs) characters first. Um, Let's start with Thane. What are your overall thoughts on Thane, Tyro, Cairo?
0: I think, and you know, it's going to be hard to start with just one of them um, because so much of this story is how they grew together and how they play off each other. At the same time though, they're both such strong individual characters And I'm always really amazed by Thane in just the way he commits to people. Um, and I think one thing that we have to bring into account in this story are of course their genders because one other than Claudia, Claudia Gray has done so well in this book is flipped what we would normally say. So as, whereas normally I think we would expect the woman and Sienna to be the one who is just, you know, running on emotion and really dictated by her relationships. Now it's Thane doing that, but he still does it in still, I think a very masculine way and such an honest way. Um, So I love Thane. I love that he seems to really struggle with a lot of these decisions And he is a selfless character. You know, he might be on the run and it could be easy to think, okay, he's doing this for self-preservation, but he really is doing this for the deeper reason of he cares about people and he puts people before anything else. Whereas then you have Sienna who does things for a totally different reason, but she's still such a complete character because she's not driven by just one thing. She has so many different facets of her life coming in to create who she is and who this character is. So that being said, I think one of the other biggest strengths of this book that always absolutely amazes me is how we see so many different things impacting these characters. We see how they impact each other. We see how their school influences them, their families, where they're from, their careers, their stations, everything. It is so, so many things going into these characters. And I think that's why people relate to them is because there's so many different options. It really does feel like real life sometimes.
1: Yeah, no, that's a that's a really good point. I hadn't thought about it from that angle, but they're really the only characters that we kind of get that for, say, for, I mean, maybe in Ahsoka. Um... Jin, to some extent, um, we're st- we with the uh, rebel rising, and then you know the events of uh, Catalyst and Rogue One and everything. We kind of have a complete story for her, but not. I, I don't think to this level of complexity. Um, I, I think it would have been really easy, like you said, to to follow the the general. Like the guy gets lost, uh, and the girl has to be the one to save him. Uh, because, you know, she's better at caring and feeling her emotions than she has to help the guy learn how to feel his emotions or whatever. Um, Or you you can stick with, you know, the guy having to be the one that's rescuing the girl because, you know, women are inadequate and can't... You know, stupid stuff like that. Um, You know, just just stereotypes. But here, you have these characters that that break these stereotypes, but not for the sake of breaking the stereotypes. Um, I think that's one of the things that... Kind of fell really flat for for last shot. While while the characters being different and not stereotypical was exciting, they were there were characters that were just there to break stereotypes. Um, whereas here, these characters are just real people doing real things, living like you said. They they're the people that we would probably be um, if we were were in their situation, and mm-hmm. I appreciate that, and I appreciate the fact that. In the end, neither one of them is proven right, and neither one of them is proven wrong. And I think we've we've had a lot of talk in the fandom uh, over the past few years about the idea of you know, kind of this gray middle area. Everything might not be as clearly um, Jedi and Sith, dark side and light side, uh, but that there's this this middle ground. There's this Bendu um, type thing, and I think these characters fit. Exactly in there, because they do have all of these these factors coming into them. Sienna being, more than anything, the, I think she really brings that to light. Because every time I read this, I've read this book probably four times by now. Every single time, like, I know... I know what I'm getting into. Part of the reason I like rereading books and re-watching shows and movies is because, okay, I know what I'm getting into, so now I can look for the real emotional side. I can look for the depth and the, the, you know, the little things. Every single time I read this book, I end up feeling differently about Sienna. And, but it all boils down to, I don't really know how I feel about Sienna. And I think that's exactly the point. Because it,
0: oh, a hundred percent. And the thing is, too, we do talk so much about that Bendu type balance, but now it's so easy to forget. This is what set it off. This was the original story that did that, and really set the tone for where all the all of these subsequent subsequent stories were going after that.
1: Yeah, definitely. And so, so continuing on like through the story and, and we'll just kind of timeline the story um, just to kind of give us a, a little bit of a form to to how we're having our conversation because like we said so much so much stuff and it if you haven't read lost stars like obviously go read it um, don't stop listening to our episode you should go read it now because that's gonna be way better than our episode but if you if you're a big lost stars fan, I mean, there's so much content out there now. I know there's fanfics out there. Um, there's the manga that's coming out, and just the love behind this um it has been really, really cool because it's not just like hey, these are really great characters like we get with a, a Thrawn and uh, Thrawn Alliances. I think pe- those are big hits because they're Thrawn and then Thrawn and Vader together and throw Padme in there and you know you have a bunch of cool characters. The storyline is what it is. With Lost Stars, the storyline is really, really impactful, even outside of the idea that it weaves in and out of the original trilogy. And I think it, right away, you, you kick it off on Jelucan with the, the Empire Day of sorts, you know, the Empire coming there to save the system, and you have these two kids who come from such different backgrounds— Almost to... Like, it's almost weird seeing such different backgrounds on the same planet in Star Wars. And... I don't really know where I was going with that because I just... Sometimes I'm so overwhelmed with how awesome this book is. But I think... That starting it this way and not spending a lot of time getting to know these characters beforehand and just getting them really young and having their motivation become so intertwined with each other that their motivation of wanting to fly and their motivation of wanting to be together are so intertwined that like you can't unravel them. How do you feel like this book started off to kind of set up the scene of what we were going to get moving forward?
0: That's an awesome question, especially because the way it started off is when I immediately knew that this was going to be something big and something different. The reason is when we start off books in new situations, it can be so hard to visualize. You know, it's one thing when one of these books starts off on Coruscant or starts off on a hearth a hoth, or a star destroyer. But now we're being thrown into a world we've never been to. And like you said, stark contrast between the two different groups on this one planet. But Claudia Gray did such a good job of painting the picture of visually how this place would look and why it looks that way. So it's it's just such a gift. It really did feel more like watching a movie because I'm able to visualize it so well. And then to now have that as my basis for why these kids are acting the way that they are as young kids going into teenagers, going into young adulthood just made so much more sense. So I think that the whole beginning of this, this whole planet and starting off where we're following these kids, having this really intertwined story is one of the things that sets this book apart. And I think just, you know, like I was saying before, it's hard to say this is who Thane is without Sienna because he isn't Thane without her, just like Sienna isn't Sienna without Thane. You know, they shaped each other's stories right from the very beginning. And it's so important. And again, just totally sets it apart from any other story that we have.
1: Well, and when you're starting off, we get a lot of orphan characters in Star Wars. You know, a lot of characters that are alone and looking for their place in the galaxy. These characters start off immediately finding their place in the galaxy, like right away. And the, and the reason that they bond even more than flying is that they're outcast. You know, Sienna is a cultural outcast um, from, you know, the, the rich and wealthy and well-to-do side of Jellucan. Thane is an outcast in his own family. So it, it's more than just, hey, you like going fast and flying? I like going fast and flying. Cool, we're going to be friends. But they really understand each other on a very emotional level, which is why I think more than anything, the situation with the the laser cannon um, is is a great concept. I think where things got a little bit jumbled, um, and really my one major critique of the book is I really wish we had spent more time during that time after the laser cannon incident seeing the two of them as they were apart. Um, Seeing them remembering each other, and and kind of like... You know when, when you kind of remember one of your exes, and... For the most part, y'all had a good relationship, you know, mutual kind of breakup. But you just feel like you have to hate them, you know, and so you you start thinking snarky thoughts about them, even though like emotionally you're like, even if it's they, not
0: really true, yeah, you're yeah. like they're
1: not a bad person, but I hate them, right? I feel like that's the kind of stuff that would be going on with these two, just on a much more extreme level, and I wanted to see that.
0: Yeah. What I would have liked to see more of in that period though, isn't even just so much their rivalry and their antagonism towards each other. I would have liked to see a lot more of how their other relationships progressed because it is really important in the story. You know, that is why Sienna chooses to stick around is because she had those strong relationships that she developed in the Academy that carried over into her time, um, with the empire. And because of those connections that continues to drive them all throughout the galactic civil war, literally until the very end. So it would have just been, I think a little bit more compelling and made a little bit more sense if we got a better feel for how those other relationships played a part in their story.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. It's understandable why, like, we didn't spend more time there because, it, like I said, it's already like almost a six hundred page book. Um, it's got a lot of of stuff to cover, and having them apart from each other doesn't really help propel the story forward. But it's one of those things that makes me wish, like, this needed to be the trilogy that we got, not aftermath. We needed this as the trilogy, um, but it's not too late. No, I no no joke. <laughs> no joke. Uh, sequels to lost stars i need a lost star spinoff i need lost stars prequels i need lost stars in between yeah all of it all the lost stars but moving forward bringing them back together um we kind of get them getting close to being you know they become friends again at the ball and then they you know start to move closer together but they get separated by the war but the real moment of their perfection, when they come back together after Sienna's mother is accused of, uh, bur- I, I want to say burglary, but I know that's not right, money laundering. Uh, she gets accused of money laundering. Obviously, she's innocent. Um, it's clear to everybody she's innocent, but the, the Empire is going to twist the situation. I think the these two star-crossed lovers originally getting separated from each other and really breaking and i feel like when they broke apart there and when the empire really manipulated the situation to push them away from each other that was really where thane was like i'm gone having the empires spreading lies separating them and then the empire spreading lies bring them back together is just a beautiful beautiful bit of irony and the circle is now complete. And now every other idiom and and quote you want to put on it, I think that that was a great way to have these characters reunite.
0: You know, I mean, I always thought it was handled well, don't get me wrong, but I never put it in terms of what the Empire was doing was not only what separated them, but also what brought them back together. I think that's such a beautiful way to look at it. Um and it really does come full circle, and I think it's just a good way to show the strengths of both characters. Whereas, you know, like you said, initially, yes, it shows Thane's strength of being able to think critically and being able to put other people before him. And then in the end, it also um ends up, when they do it again and it brings them back together, it ends up showing Sienna's strengths and her commitment to her family and the people that she also loves, as well as her being able to always do the honorable thing and put her commitments first and really stick to her word that way.
1: Well, and One of the themes that I think is present really throughout the whole book is this struggle between what the world or the galaxy around you wants you to be versus your own internal desires and moral compass. Um, And there's there's a back and forth in it. And again, one of the best parts of this book is Claudia Gray is not presenting like, here's the right way you should handle this situation. This book is literally a book of, hey, sometimes the right answer is wrong and the wrong answer is right and those words don't even mean anything. And I love that. I love that. I love that. Because when you she's built it up for so long and you get to this point at the Battle of Jakku, right? Uh which if you didn't already know, uh the Star Destroyer that Sienna is uh pilot or not piloting, but uh is in charge of is the one that we see Ray speed past on uh, Jakku, the, the one from the original Force Awakens trailer, but you get to this panel at the end, and I think, again, I like the idea of circles, I like the idea of you putting this little tidbit, and then paying it off later, and you have the exact situation that Thane and Sienna had originally disagreed on in class, which is the, the situation the first time we see these two characters disagree is about the situation about what the captain should do if the ship is going down kind of thing and to have them face that scenario but then to also have them do it with their best friend their love interest on the line like literally on the line this is where a lot of authors and a lot of writers i i think if i was writing this book i would have done it just because it's kind of It's such a stereotype of the way things are done, you don't even think about the fact that you're doing it. Most authors would have had Sienna break, go with Thane, and they live happily ever after. Or they go the tragic way, and Thane stays and dies uh, with Sienna. But Claudia Gray does neither one of those. She shows them, uh, throughout this whole book, growing and evolving and changing, but their core really stays the same. And that's the thing that separates them more than, than Empire Rebellion, and then even at the end, you know, more than, than prison bars can separate them. It, it makes it such a, a tragic story. What do you, where do you land on kind of how the whole end part with the, the Star Destroyer and um, all the way to the end of Sienna kind of being a prisoner of the Rebellion slash New Republic?
0: I love it for a reason that I'm actually going to kind of piggyback off something you said before, um, when you mentioned how every time you read this, you feel something different about Sienna and the overall thought is you don't know how to feel about it. That's how I feel about the ending. Every time I end up feeling something totally different and I just, I don't know how I feel about it because it is that tragic ending, but because it is so, different. And because I'm so emotionally invested in it, I still love it. You know, it's, it's like a, I love to hate it. And I hate to love it at the same time. Um, not just in terms of the plot though, that's where I have that love hate relationship with what I do absolutely love about the ending is when I think about these characters, 98% of the time, when you are in a story, whether it's reading a book, watching a TV show, watching a movie, part of the alert always comes from, we talk about the character arc, the character arc thinking in theory, that the perfect one is the character you get on page one is not the character you get on the last page. And you see them evolve and you see them go through these challenges where they really do have an arc and where these characters change. What's different about Lost Stars and what I love so much about it is these characters go through these big struggles and they go through these challenges, but instead of changing who they are, they actually just end up growing into themselves. So we don't just see Thane on page one is a totally different person than the last page. We see Thane version one, turn into and just keep upgrading and just keep evolving into Thane version 10 where it's still very much the same person with very much the same ideals. He's just stronger in them and he acts on them more quickly and is more sure of himself. And the same can be said about Sienna. Um, but that's really what I love about this tragic story is they're both strong characters who stay true, who really and truly do. They just stay true to themselves and unfortunately, because of that, their stories don't work out for them in the end.
1: So, we've we've kind of mentioned it a couple times. And this is going to get into some shakier ground. But what are your thoughts on, on Sienna and her whole com- commitment to her honor um, and, and kind of her unwillingness to bend on that aspect of her personality?
0: I absolutely loved it about her. And I'm really happy that they kept it with that female character too. I think that's important because otherwise then she's just this emotional young woman who is going to follow the guy around no matter what. I think the fact that it is a woman who's like, I committed to this organization and I committed to these ideals and I have to see it through made a lot of sense, especially when you look at, her family background, because that's so important to who she is. And that's something that also really puts this book on a pedestal is we get to see these characters from all angles. It's not just here's a character with the empire. Here's a character with the rebellion. It is here is a character with the empire, with the man that she loves and with her parents. And this is how she is consistent all the way through. So I really like the whole, I'm going to stick with my honor. You know, Claudia Gray did it in a way that made a lot of sense and was consistent throughout the book and throughout the character.
1: Yeah, I... It's kind of weird. It's almost the Mace Windu effect. I love that I hate Mace Windu because that's exactly what he's supposed to do. And it's the same kind of thing here. Like, I love that I hate the fact that she is so stuck in her ways with the honor because... It's almost, I don't know if it's un not believable or just seems, for lack of a better term, just idiotic that there the culture would still want you to commit, you know, stay committed to something that, like, has clearly been working to destroy the galaxy around you and your own family. Um, but... You know, at the same time, I love how it causes this this struggle within her. And I do – it's kind of like I, – I do love that level of commitment to your word. Like I feel like that's something um, in our own world that we've kind of lost. So – as much as I like, I'm i like, why can't she just, like, see that her commitment to her family and to Thane should be bigger than this contract? I'm also like, yeah, like, you should stick by your word. It's this weird thing, which I think it's supposed to be. Um, I think, like, the other books that in that we get in Star Wars, I feel like when we go and do a reread of it, I kind of know what I'm going to get. Like... We'll talk about this on the next episode, but even with Aiden Versio, like, I know going in how I'm gonna feel about Aiden in the things that she goes through. Every time I read Lost Stars, Sienna makes me feel differently. Like it it, it it creates this emotion in me that none of the other Honestly, none of the other characters we get in Star Wars period make me feel. Where it's like Yes, I love what you're doing, but also I'm extremely frustrated with you. Um kind of thing. It's it's Now that I'm thinking about it, it's it's almost like it's almost like an addict. And I I don't say that to ruffle anybody's feathers um or demean that kind of struggle, but like you with an addict, you want to help them feel better. You know, you want to help them get back to you know who they should be um but at the same time like kind of doing that can at times like enable them um and and you you feel like i want you to hit rock bottom because i want you to to get back to your true self but at the same time i don't want to have to see you hit rock bottom and i feel like that's how i get with sienna almost is like i want you to hit rock bottom because like then maybe you'll realize where you're going wrong but when we get to the end she still doesn't, she sees it, but she still doesn't do anything about it.
0: I feel like they kind of let her get to that point though, and their way around it was. And just for the sake of this conversation and to structure it, what if we replace the word commitment or honor with idealism? Because idealism is something that we typically think of with the rebellion or with the Jedi or with these quote unquote good guys. But there's the scene um, back on the home planet where they're in the cave and she's basically saying that her argument is, look, I realize the empire is not perfect and I realize that some of the ways we execute these things can be harmful. But if I leave, then I'm leaving it up to these corrupt people. Whereas if I can stay, I can do something about it and I can help. So I think her whole deal isn't just that she's honorable and she's committed it's just a different form of idealism than we're used to seeing
1: yeah but also at the end like it, it leads her to being such a broken person at the end and
0: i yeah that's where we come into the whole
1: you know it's it's a
0: tragedy it's supposed it to be really a tragedy is.
1: It- just thinking about it, like, makes my heart ache. Um, Because one of the reasons I do like Star Wars so much is because no matter how bad things get, there's always hope, you know? Even though at the end of Revenge of the Sith we see Palpatine standing next to Vader building the Death Star, like, after that we get Luke and the twin sons, you know? Um, So this is... it's, it's, It's just a weird weird is not the right word. It's a a complex uh Star Wars story when it comes to like the emotional side of things. And it's definitely saying something about like duty versus commitment. Um and, and even idealism we can throw that word back in there. Um and where does where does one line end and another line begin um kind of thing. And again, I think one of the reasons that this book was so successful is you and I read the exact same words, but we have such different interpretations of them mm-hmm. because of our, our background and our life experience. You know, like I've made commitments to certain people or certain things and then realized like, oh, this is not what I thought it was and left. Like there was a church I went to once and it was like, uh, a newer, you know, newer, newer age, modern kind of church, you know, um, and everybody was really cool and everything was great. And I I loved it. And some people sometimes they got a little over the top, but I was like, ah, whatever. And then I went to this Easter service um, and it turned into like smoke machines and a light show and everything. And literally like 15 minutes into the service, I was like wait, what? This is not what I agreed to be a part of. And I got up and left. So maybe it's just like that part of my personality where I'm like, again, I feel like I'm a little more Thane um, where I'm going to do what I think is right in that moment and kind of deal with the consequences later. Um, Yeah. I, I, it's just, God, this book is so good. There's, There's so much to it. Uh, You can make an
0: argument for anything in this book. It really is like anything goes.
1: It really, really is. Um, And and that's part of the reason why I love it. One of the other things I wanted to talk about is, obviously this is called Lost Stars, and we definitely have a pair of star-crossed lovers. What connections do you think there are between the star lovers Thane and Sienna and the other one that we see in Star Wars which is Anakin and Padme
0: Ooh, great question I feel like it really is mirror imaged where so we still have the woman who yeah she loves this guy but she made a commitment to something and she needs to see it through and the guy who sees these things personally and he sees these things firsthand and thinks this isn't right. You know, you have Anakin who lives through the clone wars and he has good old Mace Windu telling him all these other things and contradicting the Jedi order in all these ways. And Anakin sees it firsthand and in his mind, it clicks where this is wrong. This isn't what we signed up for. This isn't what we should be doing. So he basically defects from the Jedi order and goes to the other extreme. Whereas Padme sees no, 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 we made this commitment to bring peace and prosperity in this way. We have to see this through. See, Same I- exact thing as Lost Stars. It's just that we, you know, history has aligned itself where now the girl is on the bad side and the guy's on the good. It's just flipped.
1: And see, I see Padme as more. Thane and I see Anakin as more Sienna. Um, How so? So in Revenge of the Sith, Padme asks, like, are we on the right side? Like, are we becoming the exact thing we're trying to fight? Which is kind of Thane-like. Um, he, Padme is going, like, no matter what's going on around her, I feel like Padme is going to do the what she believes is the right thing for the galaxy. Um... Whereas Anakin feels this commitment to Palpatine to, to such a strong extent that Palpatine's able to manipulate him to the dark side. But then again, like as I'm saying that, you do have like the Anakin aspect when he becomes Darth Vader. He's very trapped by this, like he almost has nowhere to go. He Mm -hmm. has no other choice, which I feel like is Sienna, you know, and her her commitment to her honor um, and her idealism. So there's... But see, I don't
0: think think Sienna was ever manipulated. And I think this all goes back, too, to a major point of the book, which is how do you change when you witness things firsthand? Because Thane really did see this slavery with his own eyes, whereas Sienna was carrying out orders in a totally different way, and it's one thing to be told that this is going on, but she didn't see the destruction firsthand. So I don't think it's that she was manipulated in any way. I think she just internalized things that she saw very differently.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. And I I, I wasn't trying to say that she was manipulated, but more so, like, after Anakin's manipulation, like, the reason... I feel like he doesn't ever make a move on Palpatine is because he's like, you know what? Like this isn't where I was supposed to end up. Anyways, I have no one or nothing to really live for. Like, what's the point almost? Um, and he was trapped as Darth Vader, where I feel like Sienna was almost trapped as an Imperial. She really had, because of her culture and where she came from and her, her background, she almost had what she did have a choice but then again she didn't and it's that that debate you know over like free will like to what extent do we have free will to what extent are we in control of our lives and the situations around us and and to what extent are we controlled by them
0: hmm Oh, just another reason Lost Stars is perfect. It hits on every single question and theme without actually answering it.
1: Yeah, I, I think and that's what... I feel like Claudia Gray... I'm, I'm looking at the books right now. I'm trying to remember like all the order. We did have... We had Christy Golden before um, mm-hmm. with Dark Disciple. But I feel like Claudia Gray was really... The one who planted the flag and said, like, the female writers are here to stay. And if you want to look for the best stories, you better be looking at us. 100%. Because you've got, like, just looking at what's on my shelf right now, and I don't have all of them, up. you know, all the books up here. But you've got Delilah Dawson. You've got multiple by Claudia Gray. You've got multiple by Christy Golden. um, You have... Beth Revis, you have E.K. Johnston and while we do have certain authors um, for for lack of a better term we'll call them the legacy authors, we have the James Lucinos and Timothy Zahn's and John Jackson Millers it's it's almost like those authors were, were kept as like a it, it almost like an honorary Oscar type of thing, like we appreciate everything that you've done so we're going to continue to give you Star Wars stories, but None of them are really game changers, I don't feel like.
0: No, there's nothing groundbreaking, really, coming from these legacy authors. Everything is with these new, generally female writers. And I think one of the key differences is, maybe it's just because I read them when I was younger, but a lot of the legend stuff now, they're great Star Wars stories. They have a you know feel that we're really familiar with they expand the galaxy they're good Star Wars stories but things like Lost Stars or Inferno Squad they're just good stories in general
1: yeah absolutely absolutely so I want to get your opinion on this being uh, a woman do you feel like having these female authors be so successful is a positive because it will encourage Lucasfilm to bring more women in behind the camera um, and kind of behind the scenes on things or do you feel like maybe it could be possibly a detriment because whether they intentionally do it or not it's almost like well we have women writing all these books like go there if you want female produced Mm -hmm. material
0: I feel like it is long-term a good thing. And the reason I say long-term is I don't think that Lucasfilm or really any other, this might be naive of me, but I don't think any other major film studio or publishing company says, we're only going to hire men and only men are going to be seriously considered for this position. It just so happens to be that, most directors, most writers, most producers, most of these people are men. But when we have stories like this by Claudia Gray, by Christy Golden, and when we have the Kathleen Kennedys of the world, I think it's gonna take the younger generation and make them more interested in it. So that 10 years from now, that's when we have more females working behind the camera to pick from, and they're going to bring a lot to the story. So I don't think it's a matter right now of just sexism in any way. I think it's just we want the best of the best, and that just so happens to be in a male-dominated field right now.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. It makes me think of uh, like a sports analogy to go go over to the NFL, and there's what's called the Rooney Rule, where every time one of the teams – interviews for a head coaching job they have to to interview at least one i don't remember if it's african-american or or just a non-caucasian um person but there was a very similar talk like a few years ago about there not being enough black head coaches uh in in sports in general um because like a lot of professional sports are primarily um, black or and or hispanic athletes you know baseball's got a lot of hispanic athletes basketball's got a lot of black athletes uh, football has a lot of black athletes and so it was almost a kind of like well you're giving them this opportunity on the field but you're not giving them this this opportunity as coaches um, and, and one of the points I always brought up is like yes but for, for so long it was black athletes were just not allowed to do what they're not allowed to play on the same level that they're allowed to play today. And it took years for the coaches who were coaching to get to the level where they were able to coach at that level. And like when we let these athletes come back as coaches, like it's, it's going to build this group of people who are ready to step in and hang coaching jobs. And, and we'll start to get more of those, uh you know, African-American former athletes or former, you know, players coming in 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 head coaching jobs. And I feel like that's the same kind of thing now when it comes to to films and stories is we for so long, it's been this white male dominated thing where nobody else was groomed because that just wasn't the way that things were done. And I feel like now we have more of these women who are being groomed um, to eventually step in. And I'm very optimistic about the fact that there will be more. Um, I'm optimistic because, you know, we have Ava... Uh, uh, I'm blanking on her last name, but she's the the second director for episode nine. Um, we had multiple uh, women announced yesterday who are going to be directors for the new show, The Mandalorian. So I feel like those seeds are starting to be planted. And those people are starting to be groomed and i think the books to bring it back to them is kind of where i first was like got my optimism from that that we will get this diversity um but they're not going to rush it you know they didn't just change over to completely female authors just because the the books were the best female uh the the female written books were the best but like slowly i feel like it's it's being taken over by the female authors because they have proven themselves to deserve that. Um, You know, to go back to what you were saying. And I I think that's exactly the way it should be. Um, I, I do though. I do though hope it doesn't take 10, 15, 20 years. I do hope it's like, you know, two, three, five years. more immediate. Yeah. um, Because it definitely needs to happen, but it's kind of one of those things. Like it took you this long to dig the hole, it's going to take you longer to climb out of it kind of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but again, getting these amazing female authors, uh, Claudia Gray in particular, because she's just knocked it out of the park with everything she's written, I think is a, is a good thing to go back to, uh, to lost stars and to kind of close this out for this episode, because we could do like six episodes on <laughs> lost stars and still not cover everything. Let's uh, let's play a little game. All right. So <laughs> Lucasfilm calls you, says hey we heard the episode don't burn the sacred text because obviously they listen duh Duh. um come on guys we're gonna go ahead and make one other thing from lost stars based on lost stars it can be a sequel it can be something in between it could be something um just with the characters or one of the themes however you want to take this but what do you what do you want to see
0: wow wow what a good question whoa okay let me think
1: you I can give you mine if you want me to go while you think about it yeah I think I have mine but I want to hear yours before I confirm all right so I want to see Thane in alphabet squadron no I'm just oh my god that's what I was gonna say (laughs) oh I was totally being sarcastic there no
0: Um, okay I wasn't gonna say alphabet squadron exactly but (laughs) I want to see Thane taking on more of like that rebel infantry Yeah, I think that could have been what they actually did well with Battlefront was put Thane in it and let's see what happens.
1: Yeah, I want to see him, you know, in that post-Return of the Jedi uh, post-Battle of Jakku time, but not just see him and and him as part of a squadron. I want to see that squadron needing Sienna's knowledge of the Empire, um, of their tactics or, or, or something of that nature. Where Thane has to try to get his squadron to trust Sienna. Um, and I don't know what... You could take it... Again, you could take it so many directions. But being a person who loves reading tragic stories, um, making making it seem like Sienna is finally just about to turn um, and then she portrays everybody, I, I think would be really cool. But yeah, having to see... Because I definitely think that that had to happen, you know, um, the the New Republic having to trust certain members of the Empire just because there were so many of them.
0: Yeah, I feel like you could do like a whole political thriller even and have like a Nuremberg trial type series where you're going through individually and seeing like kind of who's prosecuted and then who they're going to start to trust.
1: Yeah, definitely. So... Is the is the thane as an infantry member kind of the one you're going with?
0: It is not during that time period, though. I want to. I would want to see it like around and right before Return of the Jedi.
1: So kind of uh, not necessarily a sequel, but what do you even call? What would you even call it if it's in between? I don't. Know. I don't. Uh, is prequel, there a word? Sequel? I don't know. A
0: quill? Cool,
1: I guess. Yes. Because you have a cool. prequel and a sequel, so yes, this would just, it just is be a the quill. Cool. Cool. Yes, that is, that is canon now. We're, we're keeping it. So, uh, Lindy, do you have any other thoughts on Lost Stars that you wanted to hit on?
0: Um, You know, one of my biggest and really only gripes with, like, this and Rebel Rising, and I think we answered this question for me already, um, but I never understood why they were considered young adult novels, just because it is so mature and it is the best of the best. And I was always concerned that with those two books, especially people would see that it's young adult and be turned off. But I think a big part of it might actually be like we were saying, we're trying to get that younger audience more involved. So that 51015 years down the line, we have more women involved, and we have this new generation involved. So I think maybe that's the strategy. But I strongly strongly encourage when people are discussing lost stars and rebel rising do not speak of it in terms of a young adult novel speak of it in terms as the full-fledged thing
1: yeah and I think I think that's definitely the conversation um, that happens when at least when lost stars is brought up Um, but those gosh the young adult novels are I I enjoy young adult novels. Like if I'm not reading Star Wars, I I usually am reading a young adult novel. Um just because they they tend to be a little bit more emotional uh emotionally driven, which is the kind of story that I prefer. Um I don't necessarily need a lot of action. Um I want if you've listened before, you know the characters are where I, my my bread and butter. So yeah, I definitely think that is is a fantastic point. Um, and, and we're kind of kind of start hitting this point where we are getting a lot more young adult novels to talk about. We really lost stars is really the first one um, that kind of set the stage like, Hey, you cannot miss these young adult novels. And then you've got, you know, Ahsoka, you've got rebel rising, you've got uh Leia princess of Alderaan, even legends of Luke Skywalker with all the problems that it has, I think adds a lot to uh, the Luke that we see in the last Jedi. So the young adult novels definitely should not be considered any lesser of a stories than the quote-unquote adult novels. So, now it is that time in the show. I think, if we could, I think everybody can probably predict where this is going, but <laughs> how many lothcats do you give this? One being the lowest, five being the highest. Go for it.
0: Uh, I'd give it a solid three and a half. No, I'm kidding. Absolutely five without yeah. a doubt this is it, the be all end all
1: this gets 5 out of 5 loth cats with a loth wolf to go along with it you know all five of them just chilling <laughs> on his back you know watching over things you know keeping keeping lothal safe from the empire so that uh oh man i just i just thought about Thane and Sienna and doing something with Lothal and Oh, meeting Hera. oh god there's so much potential oh my in these god. characters oh man if nothing else we may need people to just write a whole bunch of fanfics i'm sure there's fanfics out there if you have lost stars fanfics
0: please
1: come share them on the star wars uh the clashing saber star wars facebook community because i'm lazy and don't want to have to try to find them but at the same time i want to read them yeah if you
0: send them our way make it easy for us
1: yes please i don't want to have to work for things uh (laughs) just give me all my star wars so you, you can uh, join us over there and see all the new releases of articles. I know pretty much all of us have something in the works. Um, I've got like three articles I'm kind of juggling right now trying to figure out which angle I want to take them. I know you're working on one. Mark's working on one. Uh, I think Drew's working on one. So there's definitely some articles uh, coming down the, the the pipeline. We've got more episodes of Don't Burn the Sacred Text. Uh, Starships and Clashing Sabers coming and Mark is working on a very exciting episode of Forever Star Wars, so if you are not already subscribed, click that subscribe button and you will get all of those episodes we don't split them into a whole bunch of separate feeds, um, where you have to be subscribed to a whole bunch of things, just subscribe to the Clashing Sabers Network and you are going to get all of those shows um, Star Wars, there's Clashing Sabers Star Wars community on Facebook uh, if you want a genuinely troll-free, idiot-free place to talk about Star Wars, come join us over there because I don't know how we've managed to do it, but somehow we have all great people in there, and it's fantastic. Uh, So we're always having good conversations there about any of the breaking Star Wars news or just really anything Star Wars that's on your mind. You can follow us on Twitter at Clashing Sabers. Uh, we have an Instagram, but I really haven't used it in a long time. So yeah, that's at Clashing Sabers too. But the the Facebook group and the Twitter are the big places to interact with us. If you want to send us your thoughts on this show, you can always email us at Clashing Sabers Network, Clashing Sabers Network at Gmail dot com. Lindsay, you are at
0: Miss Lindsay G. Ms. Lindsay G. And I will also say that while we're recording this. We are on day two of New York Comic-Con, and we are a day before um, Resistance premieres. So definitely now is going to be an awesome time to join because there is a whole bunch of content and a whole bunch of news that's going to be out pretty soon. So definitely hop over to the Clashing Sabers community on Facebook and join in those discussions nice and early. We always love to hear your thoughts.
1: So until next time, keep reading, keep writing, But whatever you do, don't burn the sacred text. Alright, by this point, you know how this goes. Their stuff, their stuff. Our stuff, our stuff. Not associated with Lucasfilm. Kathleen Kennedy, give me a call. Dave Filoni, I'm there if you need me. Our thoughts? They're our thoughts. They don't reflect Lucasfilm or anybody else associated with this stuff. So, if you don't like it, we're sorry. If you do like it, great. Let us know either way. On iTunes, on whatever podcatcher you're listening to us on. Rate us, review us, share us, tell your friends about us. And it, whatever you do, just don't burn the sacred text!